0: For it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. you're listening to Gospel Dynamite, thank you for joining us. I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Revelation 6, 1 through 8. We have a lot of ground to cover today, and we're looking at horsemen on the horizon. Revelation 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals... And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat on, sat thereon to take peace from the earth. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Revelation chapter 6 is a shock to the senses. In the past two chapters, we've been allowed to witness scenes of heavenly worship. In this passage, we're going to see images of divine wrath. We've been in a place where there's been praise and shouting. We are about to examine a scene filled with pain and suffering. In chapters 4 and 5, we've been seated in heavenly places, observing scenes of joy. Yet in chapter 6, we're brought down to earthly places to observe scenes of judgment. Beginning in chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19, we're placed in the middle of the tribulation period, as it were, or the time known as the Great Tribulation. This period of seven years is broken down into two parts, with each portion lasting three and one-half years. This period of time is clearly described in the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7 Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Daniel 12 and verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. In this passage, the seven seals on the book in the hand of the Lord Jesus begin to be broken one by one. As the seals are open, a series of divine judgment is poured out upon this earth and those who dwell on it. The four seals we're going to consider in this message describe the events that will take place during the first three and one half portion of the tribulation. We are about to witness a time of destruction, devastation, and death that can hardly be comprehended by our mortal minds. For these verses describe events that will take place on the earth after the bride of Christ has been removed. The world we are about to see is a world that has no gospel witness. There are no Christians, no gospel singing, no preaching, no peace. This is a world that is in total rebellion against its maker. And it is a world that stands on the brink of terrifying judgments. We're told in verse 1 that when the Lamb opens the first seal, there was a noise of thunder in heaven. Now, just as thunder signals the approach of a storm, this heavenly thunder indicates that a storm is about to be unleashed upon this world that has never been seen before. I'd show you in verse 2, the white horse of deception. There are some who read this and say that this writer is Jesus Christ himself. They cite the similarities between these verses and those that are found in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. While there are similarities, there are many more differences. The man on this horse is not the Christ. He is the Antichrist. Now, there are several reasons why this man cannot be Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who is in heaven breaking the seals, according to Revelation 6 and verse 1. How can Jesus be in heaven opening the seals and riding this white horse at the same time? If anyone could make that happen, it would be our Lord. Yet this writer wears a crown, but Jesus wears many crowns. The writer wears a Stephanos, which is a victor's crown. His crown is a prize. Jesus wears many diadems, the many crowns of the king of kings. The writer in these verses has his crown given unto him. This man was appointed a king by men. This writer is given a crown that he has earned. Jesus wears his crowns because of who he is, not what he has done. He is the king of kings by birthright. Jesus is not given a crown. He gives crowns according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. Bible is clear when it says this rider carries a bow. Jesus carries a sword in Revelation 19 and verse 15. The similarities between this rider and the Lord Jesus Christ indicate that this man is in fact the Antichrist. Now we know who this man is not. Let's see what we can find out about who he is. He is a man of peace. You'll notice that this writer has a bow in his hand, but he has no arrows. This implies that he will conquer the world without bloodshed. He will accomplish this by providing the answer to the problems faced by the world today. He will provide answers through diplomacy. He comes on a white horse bringing a promise of peace to this world, and when the Antichrist comes, He will come with a solution for every problem the world is facing. He will come with an explanation concerning the disappearance of all Christians. He will come with a plan to bring peace to the world. And when he comes, the world will fall at his feet and honor him as their ruler. He comes as a savior to a world that is desperate to be saved. He comes to a world that is in the state of turmoil, and things are only going to get worse. There was a historian that wrote one time, we are right for someone who can promise to give peace and to give tranquility to the earth. We will deify that individual if he arises. Well, he is coming, and the world will fall at his feet and love him. The problems that face our world today, most of the turmoil centers around the nation of Israel. Present day America and the world, most of the turmoil centers around the coronavirus, mandates, the world shutting down to seeking to shut down the virus, or so that's the narrative, When the Antichrist comes, he will have the solution to every problem. And according to Daniel 9 and verse 27, he will establish a peace plan that will satisfy the world concerning the nation of Israel. He will not only be a man of peace, he'll be a man of power. We're told that he went forth conquering and to conquer. We're also told that the crown was given unto him. A crown was given unto him. By whatever means he uses, the Antichrist will be given the key to the world. The leaders of the nations of the earth will bow at this man's feet and grant him the right to rule over the entire world. They have denied this to the king of kings. They have denied it to the savior of all mankind. They have denied it to the son of God, but they will grant this privilege to this child of hell. He will also be a man of pretense. The problem with the antichrist is that he is not the man he appears to be. He portrays himself to be one person, when he is, in fact, another person altogether. He comes riding a white horse. The world is programmed to trust the man of the white horse. He is the good guy. He comes portraying himself as a man of peace. He will appear on the world stage promising peace, safety, and prosperity. But he will be the most evil dictatorial ruler this world has ever seen. Everything he is and everything he says will be a study in lies and falsehoods. Some would argue that the leaders of this world are too smart to fall for a deception like this. If you watch the news, you'll soon figure out it's not always the best and the brightest who rule our nation. Have you seen what we have today? Add to that the lessons from history and you will see that this world is ripe for a satanic, deception. Just look at what Hitler did prior to World War II. He had outlined in detail his plans for conquest in his book, Mein Kampf, which was published more than a decade before World War II began. Yet the Western allies persisted in believing Hitler's false claim that he was a man of peace. They stood idly by as he preoccupied, the Rhineland demilitarized after World War I, thus abrogating the Versailles Treaty. Then he annexed Austria and Czechoslovakia, and British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain met with Hitler in Munich in 1938. Upon his return to England, Chamberlain triumphantly weighed the piece of paper that contained a pledge of peace from Hitler, which he claimed guaranteed peace. To this, Sir Winston Churchill rose up in the House of Commons to declare that England had suffered a total and unmitigated defeat. He was shouted down by angry members of Parliament. The deception that will come across this world will be nearly universal. Only after Hitler invaded Poland in 1939 did the Allies acknowledge the truth. By then it was too late. My friend, the Antichrist will be the same and do the same on a much grander scale, a worldwide scale. And this world is right for such a person to step on the center stage. Verses three and four, you see the red horse of destruction the second horse and rider now appears. It's red. Red is the color of fire. Red is the color of blood. Fire has the power to devour and to destroy. And when the fires of this war are unleashed upon this earth, there's going to be bloodshed on an unprecedented level. This seal unleashes a time of war such as this world has never known. We see that the peace instituted by the Antichrist will be short-lived. War breaks out all over the world. Of course, this is exactly what our Lord said would happen during the tribulation in Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. He also warns men about putting too much stock in the cries of peace that are bantered about by the politicians and rulers of this world. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3. Can you imagine a world that knows no peace at all? In every corner of the globe, violence and war is raging. This is the world that every lost sinner will face during the tribulation. The writer is given a great sword. The word great refers to the extent of the warfare. It will be worldwide in its scope. The word sword refers to the short swords that were carried by Roman soldiers. These swords were used in hand-to-hand combat and they were very effective in putting the enemy to death. My friend. When the Antichrist first steps on the world stage, he will be hailed as a man of peace, but after he gains the reins of power, he displays his true colors. After men allow him in a place of prominence and power, he will demand absolute power, and when this happens, many of the powerful countries of this world will rebel in the world, will experience war on a scale in which it's never been witnessed. It is during this period that I believe that Russia and her allies will invade Israel in fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Their army will be defeated by divine intervention and Israel will burn the weapons of warfare for seven years according to Ezekiel 39, 9 through 10. The conflicts will not end here at all. The world wars spawned by the Antichrist will rage one after the other until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, returns in power and great glory. Imagine a world consumed by war. Nations will fight against nations. Race wars, class wars, religious wars will abound. The world is primed and ready and set and ripe for class wars and race wars. The ministrations of today, the politicians of today are causing this. Peace will be elusive for everyone everywhere. The world is ripe for war. I want you to see my friend in verses five and six, the black horse of destitution. The third seal is broken and another rider makes his appearance. This horse is black. Black is a color associated with famine. Famine always follows in the aftermath of war. Thus worldwide wars will spawn worldwide famines. Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 24 and verse seven. The rider on this horse has in his hands a set of scales. This indicates that the tribulation period will be marked by severe shortages of the necessities of life. Apparently the famines will be so severe that food and other basic necessities will have to be rationed. We know absolutely nothing about that in our day. We go to the grocery store, and they may be out of something, but nearly every time we buy food and we buy as much as we want. But my friend, the day is coming that the world will be affected by everything according to the word of God. Verse 6 tells us something of the problems that will exist during this time. The biblical word measure here would be enough food to feed a grown working man for one day. A penny refers to the denarius, which was a day's wages. Wheat is the food from which bread is made. Barley was used primarily to feed livestock, and at times it was consumed by the very poor. Here's the image. A man will work all day just to be able to buy enough food to feed him. And he can work all day just enough to buy food fit for an animal to feed three people. Think about this. Think about what it means. People will have to make some hard choices. People who cannot get out and work for themselves will be left to starve to death so that the workers can eat. It's going to be a terrible time. It's going to be marked by terrible starvation. In addition, it's going to be a time marked by separation. The phrase, see thou hurt not the oil in the wine, may indicate that luxury items will not be affected by the feds. Oil and wine is always, has always been the items of the wealthy set. Oil is used in the manufacture of cosmetics, and alcohol has always been associated with high life. In other words, while most of the world is plunged into poverty and starvation, the rich continue to get richer and enjoy the extravagant lifestyles they enjoy every, every day. But wait, there's more. In verses 7 and 8, the pale horse of devastation is unveiled. The fourth horse is said to be pale in color. The word pale comes from the same Greek word that gives us the English words chlorophyll and chlorine. The word means green. It refers to the sickly yellow-green pallor of a corpse. The events that take place in the wake of this horse and rider are also the things that inevitably follow a time of war. We're told that the rider of this pale horse is death. We're also told that hell follows after him. The word death speaks of the death of the body. The word hell reminds us that there is a horrible place waiting to receive the souls of men when death comes. We're told that death will claim one quarter of the world's population. That's one out of every four people living during those days. If you take today's population of 7.9 billion people, We're talking about the death of 1.9 billion people in this brief period of time. Now, the methods used to claim this great number of people are listed in this verse, and the four methods mentioned are sword. This refers to warfare. During this period of time, it's almost certain that wars will be both conventional as well as nuclear in nature. There can be little doubt that some countries will use biological and chemical weapons as well. Then we have famine. We've already talked about the problem of starvation that will become worldwide in its scope during the tribulation. Many millions will meet their death in this fashion. Then the word simply is used of death. This refers to deaths apart from warfare and famine. In Matthew 24 and verse 7, Jesus said, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. The word pestilence is what I think This word death is referring to pestilence brings to mind diseases that will run rampant through the human race during this time period. Diseases like the bird flu, which will leave millions dead, coronavirus, hyped up on steroids. My friend, there's coming a day when everything will be used to destroy the human race and judge humanity. Then we're given the word beast. Animal attacks will account for many deaths, no no doubt. The word beast can refer to small animals or rodents. I'm not going to take a lot of time to describe or speculate what this is referring to, but if we think about rodents and how rats can be nasty animals as they are, and they carry some 35 known diseases, then my friend, this is going to be a time of suffering on the earth. Uh, Folks, when I read these things, I'm struck with two thoughts. One, I praise God that I'm saved by his grace. I don't have a thing to worry about in any one of these things because I have been born again. Secondly, I grieve for those who do not know Christ. Friends, what about your family, what about your acquaintances, what about your co-workers, the people that you come in contact with every day, lost neighbors, they need to know that Christ loves them, that he died for them, and that there's a judgment coming. And if they reject it, it's on them. But my friend, we have to give them that opportunity. We have to show them that Christ died for them. Here's the invitation. If you're not born again, please come to Christ, look to him for salvation. If you're out of his will, please come back to him so that he can use your life as a light for his glory. If you have people on your heart that need to be saved, bring them before Jesus Christ. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. There is coming a day, my friend, when judgment is coming. But before that comes, there's coming a wondrous day when my Savior is going to call us up to be with him in glory. Are you ready? Are you going to meet the king? You can be if you accept Jesus Christ as your savior. Preacher, how can I do that? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can be saved if you'll come to Christ. Come to Christ, come to Christ. Consider him, consider him. Come to him now. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.